if they ask you what you're listening to. Say capital. Capital FM. Capital Livestream cameras will be installed at rivers and ponds where Russian Orthodox Christians will brave freezing temperatures on the 19th of January by diving into icy waters to celebrate the Orthodox Epiphany. Special cross-shaped holes will be cut into thick ice covering rivers and lakes with wooden steps leading into the water. The age-old ritual commemorates the baptism of Jesus Christ in the Jordan River known as the Epiphany. The Russian Orthodox Church marks this event annually in the middle of the Russian winter. Russian women are not that beautiful. That's according to a recent ranking by Missology Portal, which decided to choose countries with beautiful women from around the world. They made an attempt to rank such physical characteristics as beauty by means of ranking countries by the sum of their title holders in two of the world's most competitive international beauty pageants. Namely, these are Miss World and Miss Universe. Venezuela has reassured their powerhouse status, edging the Philippines by a few points as they topped the overall ranking and is officially declared as the performer of the year for 2018. Russia is not even in the top 20. All the residents of an apartment building in the Russian city of Magnitogorsk, where a gas explosion killed 39 people and left dozens injured, will be rehoused into new homes. That's according to Russian President Vladimir Putin. The authorities will spend over a billion rubles to relocate those affected by the blast. In the early hours of New Year's Eve day, an entire entry section of a long 10-story housing block went crashing down after an explosion destroyed a lower-level apartment. And an inspection of gas equipment in residential buildings in Moscow has kicked off across the capital. Most gas inspections are also being carried out in the Russian regions in the wake of recent gas leaks in residential buildings. Local authorities are set to consider the possibility of the mandatory introduction of special warning systems for gas leaks in residential blocks. In another development, gas inspectors will report tenants who are denying access to their property. Residents are obliged by law to allow licensed inspectors to carry out a gas safety check in their apartment. The checks will be completed on the 23rd of January. And finally, 65 cafes and summer terraces will open in the Russian capital, in the capital Sparks. The first 10 will be up and running by next summer. Parkgoers will also be able to enjoy coffee to go. The capital's bosses have already announced a tender search to create the brand new cafes. It is currently two points out of a possible 10 on the roads, driving time to and from the Nukaba airport is about one hour both ways, 40 minutes to Shremich, about 30 minutes to the city, over an hour to the Madiadavam, one hour and five minutes from the airport to the city centre. Weather. Four degrees Celsius in Tokyo, six in London, two in New York. It is cloudy here in Moscow. The temperature is standing at minus seven degrees Celsius. That's it from me, Yulia Bokova. Do stay tuned for more.
with Alan Moore. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Capital Sports here on Moscow's Capital FM. I'm Alan Moore, and in the studio with me, I am very fortunate to have, on my left, I have Mr. Andy McLean. Happy United Island Day. Oh, thank you very, very much. Yeah, we snuck those six counties back after all. <laughs> and, of course, further over to the left of even Mr. Andy McLean, we have Mr. Peter P. Peter, how are you doing? Hey, happy new year. <laughs> and listen, welcome back. I know, uh, well... Uh, and you are travelling, Peter was, so we'll, we'll ask him about that in a little while. So, as the wheels come off of Brexit, kind of, and uh, uh, that, that uh, conference vote today being called uh, in Theresa May and our government, there's an awful lot more going on in Britain than meets the eye, especially in Team Sky. Now, Sky Crew, I was saying Team Sky, Sky Team and Sky Crew. Sky Crew, that's part of the 100. It's the 100 TV show. Anyway, it's, it was... It, it, Lost the, on me. Yeah, the, fir- the first yeah. season was good. The second two seasons were well, awful. I, 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 I didn't watch all of it, but anyway, that's called the 100. Right, so what have we got coming up? Well, in just a couple of minutes' time, we're going to go out to Siberia to Andy Flint, who is back from Manchester. We'll also speak about the English Premier League and also that weird, weird competition that's taking place out in Qatar between the cream of Russian football. Also, we will speak about what's going on with Team Sky because there are some major questions to be asked uh, of them and British Cycling because it's very, very interesting for us because, of course, we got a bit of a slap on the wrist by the Daily Mail for daring to uh, question you know, what's going on in British Athletics. And, of course, the head of UK Athletics has resigned today. Yeah, just about an hour or so ago, he's, uh, he's stepped down, obviously linked to English football as well with the Football League uh, and previously the London Marathon. So question marks over whether he's resigning from everything or just um, just athletics. So a testing time for uh, UK athletics. Okay, we'll go into that. We'll also, of course, in the second segment, we're going to have a little bit of chat about wrestling because as we're on our way into the studio, myself and Peter and Andy, we had a good chat about uh, wrestling. Um, quick question, Peter. Who is your favourite wrestler of all time? Uh, it's, this is it's, AKA. Which, which underpants colours do you have? Yeah. <laughs> uh, i got to go with... I'd say I, I want to say John Cena, but it's, it's too cliche. Like everybody picks him. Uh, maybe, um, maybe that Japanese. Like not no. Yakuzuna. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yakuzuna. Okay, yeah. Because he's, he's just so funny. Like every time. Pizza likes big butts. Yeah, oh, yeah. big fat guys sitting on people's faces. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> All right, Andy, who's yours? Um, I think growing up, the Ultimate Warrior was the one that oh, struck a bit of you know, oh, you know yeah, rockers, warrior. rockers' yeah. hair, armbands. Yeah. Shaking the ropes at yeah. the end of a big, yeah, that was amazing, yeah, yeah, and it's all the little warriors. No, well, I, I, I still, I'm sticking with uh, the Undertaker. Not the other, well, the Undertaker, yeah, I, I liked him a lot. Um, and I would say most likely the uh, Bushwhackers, the guys from New Zealand. Fortunately, they were absolutely yeah, awesome. that's so funny. And the music, I mean, when they would come in, like marching in with the arms, like swinging oh, yeah. all that. <laughs> Wait, were they were they like in the row? And they were that's right, that's right. To do Redefined this. disco for a decade. I think. Exactly. Yeah. Folks, if you could see what we're doing right now in the studio, you just you would <laughs> go, oh my goodness. Okay, right, we're going to get straight down to business because before we embarrass ourselves even more, we've lost any pretense of being cool. We're going all the way out to Siberia to our man in Siberia, Mr. Andrew Flint of Rondell Football. Andrew, how are you doing? I'm not too bad. I'm not too bad. How are you guys doing? We're all doing well here. We're just like talking about wrestling. Uh, Andrew, who's your favourite <laughs> WWE or uh, formerly WWF wrestler? Who's your favourite? Well, you know what? I can't for life me remember why, but Brett the Hitman Hart was always the one that I liked because uh, I got the Royal Rumble 1992 VHS oh video. <laughs> and, and I, I, don't, I don't know why Brett Hitman Hart, but I just, it's the one that sticks to my mind. Um, 
Legion of Doom were the best tag team. Like, they were my favourite tag They team. were awesome. I actually saw them in action in Germany with their, like, they, they were like, kind of like from Mad Max or something like, like the way they... <laughs> fancy dress dream. Yeah, fancy dress dream. I mean, they were some great, like, I mean, folks, if you want, like, if you want to see what real fun was like, I mean, you go back when they had, like, the, uh, I think it was the, the, the what, the, not the communists, what were the guys from uh, the Soviet Union? I think oh, God, I don't remember oh, quite that much. That was the best era of wrestling, though, it by, was. by far for me. I mean, it was just pure. If, you, if, you, if you're an American person, you probably look back and cover your eyes and go, oh, my God, because when, <laughs> when, when they were up against the Soviet Union, they had, like, it was Nikolai Volkov and Georgi Zhukov, who, neither of them were Russian, by the way, but anyway, they just pretend to be Russian <laughs> or Soviet, and they would fight against, like, the Hulk and all the good Americans. And then, of course, then you had, like, the, the Captain Slaughter, or uh, Sergeant, Sergeant Slaughter, Slaughter yeah. oh, and... Yeah. Uh, some guy, I know some Arab guy who wasn't really Arab. And again, the when Sultan. the Sultan, the Sultan, you know, those, when, when, those when, details when, don't matter though. Those details. I don't know, matter, I know, you know, I know. But then you have, what you know, matters yeah. that you learnt the sharpshooter by the age of seven to use exactly. in the playground. And, and I understood when, like, when the, everyone was standing up and like when when um, your Hulk Hogan was beaten. Sergeant Slaughter, of course, was an ex-Marine sergeant who turned against America and he backed uh, Saddam Hussein during the Gulf War, the first Gulf War. Uh, okay, right. Uh, Andrew. Uh, <laughs> you know far too much about this, Alan. You know no, far too much. I'm, I'm, Where's Tony Blair when you need him? I know. So listen, while FC Ufa, they're off in training camp in Cyprus, out in Qatar in the Middle East, uh, are, of course, training uh, four of the Russian clubs, not just. Listen, Andrew, can you tell us a little bit what's going on out there in the Middle East right now? Well, I mean, this time of year is always when Russian fans are probably at their lowest ebb, but waiting for, for any sort of competition to go on. Um, but the the very glamorous match premier cup in Qatar is is taking place. Little four team tournament. Uh, Rostov, Zanit, Spartak, and Lokomotiv. I actually am quite a big fan of it, to be honest. Um, because the thing is about these pre-season tournaments. Well, I call, I call it pre-season in my mind. I still think of it like that. The winter tournament is that if you just have a meaningless friendly, it is just that. It's meaningless. And this tournament's not exactly going to be a Champions League equivalent, but just add a tiny little extra competition. I think it's, um, I, I think it's quite, a good, uh, quite a good idea. I mean, there's a huge amount of money on, uh, you know, up, up for the winners for the whole lot, isn't there? So about $200 million, $200 million, unless I'm mistaken? Yeah, I mean that, that's what that's the quote. Um, that's the amount of scene quoted, uh, which is which is quite a quite a remarkable. I mean, of, for four teams in a little tournament and four teams from Russia, so it's not that they're they're going to make a back end ticket or a jersey sales. Well, no, exactly, and I imagine that the attendances will be extremely low, um, just simply because of the, the of the nature of where it is. There aren't going to be many Russian fans um, uh, piling their way over to Qatar, but. Um, I, I'm quite surprised it's so high because I wouldn't have thought it would need, have needed much um, persuasion, shall we say, um, between the two countries. So, okay, of course, the, the World Cup link is the, is the obvious link, but there's been a reasonable amount of cooperation between them. So I, I'm surprised. It, I, I'm assuming the prize money is because they wanted to make it more prestigious, but it already would be what they need it to be. You know, the rest will come over, they'll take it seriously enough. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's an incredible amount of money. Um, personally, I think it would have been better to have either possibly expanded it a bit more if they're going to make a big deal of it. But, anyway, we'll see, um, see who wins. 
Exactly. I mean, it's going to get a lot of coverage here, of course, with uh, Match TV, or as many people will be watching Match TV. Uh, those games uh, for Lokomotiv, they kick off on the 22nd against Zenith, uh, the 25th, then they play Rostov, and 29th, they play Spartak. And of course, they're away in Spain. They're home for a few days and away in Spain. Uh, Spartak, they're playing, uh, they, they, they were already out in Dubai. Um, actually, they're, they're traveling up now to Qatar from Dubai. I think they might come home and then back out again. But they play uh, Rostov on the twenty first, Zenit twenty fifth, and Lokomotiv on the twenty ninth. So it's it's a it's an odd kind of tournament way it's set up. I mean, like you know, they've got two games a day and so on. But well, we'll see what's going to happen. Um, listen, Andrew, uh, moving back, moving back from the uh, Middle East and back home to England. Uh, what's what's been going on since last week in the English Premier League? Well, uh, most importantly, Manchester United are now firmly in the race for European places um, and um, beating, well, I mean, what a remarkable game that was at Wembley. David De Gea made 11 saves in the second half alone, which I believe I'm right in saying is more than any keeper has made in, in a whole game um, this season so far. Um, but uh, Marcus Rashford scored the, scored the winner there. So it makes it very, very interesting actually now because... That um, puts Manchester United, I think, is level on points with Arsenal, and um, the well, the race for Europe is getting is getting very interesting. Arsenal have lost um, as well; they're head of recruiting, um, so they're in a bit of turmoil. He's gone to um, he's gone to Germany, correct? Well, I'm not, I'm not seen it confirmed exactly where he's gone to yet. A lot of people are suggesting what well, back is an obvious option, but also um, Leipzig, Red Bull, sorry, Racing Bull Sport, um, <laughs> Leipzig. I'm not entirely sure exactly where he has gone, to be fair, but um, he is one of those figures who has done some good work around the mess that is Arsenal um, as a whole. So I think he'll be very much in demand um, and won't have too much trouble finding finding employment from now on. But Arsenal should be, well, Arsenal fans should be concerned that they've lost such a key figure, uh, especially as um, Unai Emery, I think, needs his backing, potentially even in this transfer window, especially with Aaron Ramsey going to Juventus at the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be tough for them. OK, we've just seen there, like, you know, yeah, they're in sixth place. Uh, well, they're 16 points off top spot, but they are only seven of Spurs, who, are, of course, are in third. Now, um, it was alleged today that uh, Mourinho, uh, now, he left the club, of course, uh, well, a few games ago. United won six in a row. Uh, they were in sixth place when he left. They're still sixth place now, uh, but he has been gagged from speaking about his time at uh, Manchester United. So he has signed an undisclosed agreement. Do you think that that, you know, that, that that holds a bit of a mystery for him now to see maybe what went on behind the scenes? Well, I'm 50-50 so I'm on this one, really. It looks from the outside at first glance like that might be the case. But to be quite honest with you, I think it's more just simply a protection against the natural Mourinho bitterness that comes with every job he's ever had, basically. Um... And I think, realistically, there's not going to be a huge amount that he can pin on the club other than what he's already said publicly, i.e. the lack of backing to his preference in the transfer market, which, to be fair, he has some grounds for. But, I mean, this this gagging part of the contract, I think the club probably thought, well, look, you, you're going to get a huge payoff anyway. We might as well get something out of the deal. Try and uh, remove the Mourinho circus completely once he goes which this is going to go a reasonable way towards doing. Um, I, I, don't, I think there's probably not that much to read into, um, much more than many people would like to, um, for this matter. 
Yeah, hi Andrew. Just to just to move on away from um, Manchester United and to one of the other teams vying for a Champions League spot, Tottenham Hotspur. Um, obviously, Harry Kane. Uh, it's been revealed that he might be out now until March uh, with an ankle lig- uh, ankle ligaments injury, and obviously Musa Dembele looks like he's on his way to to China. Do you think they are going to have to dip into their pockets this window? And do you think uh, they're even able to, considering that the stadium keeps getting delayed? Well, I think that's the that's the key thing, isn't it? Realistically, they need to. No question. I think. Um, I mean, looked at Fernando Llorente when he came on. Uh, at the weekend, he had one pretty good chance and he just looked so completely out of touch. Um, I mean, he obviously was great at Bilbao, but he's been next to useless since he's moved to Spurs. Um, so if they don't, they're going to be in a lot of trouble. And I think, um, I can't believe you'd even consider this three or four games ago, but I think Spurs, their championship place might be in danger if they don't. But we know what Daniel Levy's like and the stadium delay is an obvious uh, well, indicator of the, the lack of willingness to go into the transfer market. So um, I think they could well struggle. I'm not entirely sure what value they would get even if they did have the money at this stage, but I doubt, they, I doubt they'll even get that far. Do you think this could be the defining moment in terms of where Potocino ends up at the, um, in, in the summer? Do you think this could be the moment that Manchester United Ooh. will grasp? Yeah, I think that's that's an interesting one, really. Um, the the noises he made about a week or two ago about this is you know we need to start spending more money to seem down to character. Now this, it could well be a well, it could be a critical week or two. I I'm in two minds as a as a Manchester United fan. What exactly I want to happen here because Pochettino as a manager clearly is a brilliant tactician. He's good with youth. He has a clear plan for building a team. Um, but I, and this is going to sound odd, but I'm not entirely sure that's what Manchester United need. They need somebody simply to have the authority around the place. Um, but, and it's going to sound old school, but simply get the players on the pitch in more or less the right position and give them some freedom, which is what they haven't had. Um, however, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But it could well be the tipping point for Pochettino and Spurs fans could live to regret this. Okay, it's Israel. Uh, just before we, we let you go, Peter has a question, because he, before he gives it, he'll do the fixtures later on in the show, but uh, he has a question right now for you, Andrew. Hey, Andrew, uh, it looks like United will have an easy win on Saturday uh, over Brighton. Will it, will it be a walk in the park, you say? I think it will be reasonably comfortable because of the momentum United have got at the moment. Bright, I'm not trying to write Brighton off at all. I've been very impressed with them, but uh-huh. I think at home, you know, seven seven wins for the, f- for the first seven games for Solskjaer is is tempting enough. Um, and and I think with that momentum after the Spurs game, I really can't see past it. I, I know I'm slightly biased as a United fan, but I do think that'll be um, comfortable. I'm not saying explosive, but certainly comfortable. Okay, all right, all right, thank you. Okay, listen, Andrew, thank you very much. You uh, keep warm, enjoy yourself, and we will talk to you next week. Will do. Great to see you guys. again. Thank you. Okay, that was Andrew Flint of Ryan Dog Football. He reckons that it's going to be a fairly easy, a kind of a cakewalk on Saturday. Of course, that game kicks off at 6 o'clock Moscow time in the, well, I the self-titled Theatre of Dreams. Andrew, that game was on Saturday. I mean, do you reckon it's going to be as easy as Andrew thinks? Um, I can't see Brighton putting up... Uh, Brighton's away record has been pretty atrocious for most of this season. They have improved over the last month or so. Uh, but just the momentum at the moment going forward, they've got options that perhaps weren't really that evident or used beforehand where they can rotate round positions. I mean, just having Lukaku on the bench offers you something that I don't think really any other club has in the Premier League at the moment. Um, so they're quite a frightening prospect to play, and especially at Old Trafford where they've now got the confidence and the fans back on board.
Now, I mean, I, I know one thing that we, we brought up before, we didn't ask on this time was, you know, if, if things continue with that, um, you know, Saul Sheriff, uh, Phelan and Carrick kind of like a threesome. Um, he's <laughs> he's feeling, he's yeah. feeling. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Saul Sheriff's feeling Carrick in a threesome. Right. Where Terry is, we don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stuck at the back. Um, but uh, <laughs> um, if you're looking at that, I mean, if they continue winning, uh, okay, if they make Champions League football at the end of the season, you'd be inclined to leave them at it. I, I think irrelevant of how, where they finish in the league, I think it will come down to results in the Champions League and it's going to be a big test against PSG. Um, obviously, there's a bit of an issue inside there at the moment with Neymar apparently having told his, his father, who's in <laughs> actually his, his agent, um, <laughs> that he wants to move to one of three clubs and he wants it done this summer. That might unsettle a few people. Um, whether he continues to play in the same way that a few other players who'd signed contracts like uh, Rabiot, who's now joining Barcelona. Um, obviously, the manager is going to sideline players that he feels might not be a part of it. It's Champions League, there's so much money and pride at stake. Um, I think Solskjaer's time at Old Trafford will be defined in, in, in that first two-legged affair and how far they actually go there. Okay, so if, uh, 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 win one round in the in spring and, and then yeah. Okay, all right, folks. We're going into the break. We are going to play out with uh, a newbie, but one that I've just heard this past weekend related to uh, American football, the NFL, NFL players. So we'll speak with that a bit later on as well. So this is Mickey Echo and Watch Me Rise. Back after the break. Capital Sports with Alan Moore.
Little Stand Up with Steve Foreman. Ah, here we go. You know, I don't think I have a lot of people that hate me, but I think I have a long list of people who moderately dislike me. You can really taste the Soviet Union in a larder. You know, there's like a... Well, you can smell petrol. That's the main thing. That's the main thing you notice, to be honest. And actually, the, the larder doesn't start just by turning the key. You also have to sort of go... Oh, like, there's, like, there's like an element of that. Like, you know. Oh, British we people. We gave you a language. Oh, British people. God's sake, I wish you'd use it. <laughs> Every Thursday at 9pm, Capital Stand Up with Steve Foreman on Capital FM Moscow. Are you serious? <laughs> you got a date right? The one and only English-speaking station in Moscow. Capital, Capital FM. Capital Sports with Alan Moore. Welcome back to Capital Sports on this Wednesday night here in Moscow. It's warming up here in the studio. It's warming up in the street as well. It's actually not that cold as it was. Last week, I literally rose on my way in and way out uh, today it's not that bad it's only about minus two minus three so it's, it's okay uh, how are you handling the uh, weather change uh, Peter um, I'm actually kind of used to it not by now but well, you came back you you gallivanting around yeah, in yeah, South yeah. Africa so you came back yeah and you're, Yo, you're uh, my, t- my tan is like crazy let me just, just tell you my hands they're like they were red up to here and like, if I take my shirt off, it's just pale white here. Please don't. No, 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 don't, don't. No, let's not, let's not go in there. This, oh man, I, I was, I was going to, but now, now that you said that, this, 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 this it's, 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 it's staying on. It's staying on. Good. Keep your clothes on. Hold on, you FM hashtag me too. Oh, you were singing. You can keep your hat on, and then you said, "Alan, you have a hat." Like what? I mean, it's going to be too male bonding here you know <laughs> that's not male bondage but definitely bonding okay oh. uh, so, <laughs> right we are moving speaking very... of drawing a line under yeah, things yeah yeah we, 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 we've finished that now we'll move on um, but listen how was it Africa in all seriousness you enjoyed it yeah it was pretty fun it was it was uh, actually really really fun and it oh I bet <laughs> yeah I, I don't know why I'm moving it. I'm moving in and, and back to my moving away from Andy yeah, <laughs> just showing your tan, and then yeah. it's like because I still have these flashbacks to Veronish and him getting like gang tackled. You know, no, <laughs> yeah. that's what's called a gang tackle when you're get beaten up on the ground with like, and you see, you still manage to give the pass off, which was quite good. By the way, by the way, uh, just so people know, so ten thirty on Sunday morning, Lokomotiv Moscow, Loco Sport, the Moscow Sammers are back in full swing in training. So just so everyone knows, we're we're still back. If in you want to get gang tackled. <laughs> Gang tackle and beaten up by big hairy men <laughs> and women as well, for that matter. Okay, listen, talk about hairy women. Um, we we did bring up a few weeks ago, uh, and we got slapped on the wrist by the Daily Mail, as I mentioned earlier, about daring to suggest that there was any sort of uh, untoward doping in British athletics. You know, we have said that uh, the head of UK Lace has resigned just about just over an hour ago, um, Andy. But the big breaking story is not Brexit. It's been covered up by Brexit. It's British Cycling and Team Sky. What on earth is going on there? So the uh, the former doctor of British Cycling and Team Sky, Dr. Richard Freeman, um, is, is an, uh, the BBC came across an email um, over an incident. Dan Rowan, of course, a, a former yeah, guest of our yeah. show. Um, which outlined a five-month difference. Um, so apparently, or it's alleged that Dr. Freeman had ordered 30 sachets of testo- uh, testosterone gel. Oh, gel. Oh, I thought it was patches. Oh, patches. I'm no, not, I think I'm, it was testo sure. gel, I read. Yeah, testo yeah. gel, yeah. yeah. Um, and obviously, n- being a v- very much a banned substance at the time, uh, it's been alleged that he 
wasn't using it on athletes. It was meant for a non-athletic member of staff. This has kind of been, um, in, in the last year or so, This is the, the, the narrative or story of it has slightly changed. Um, effectively, this email dates that the company that supplied it um, had it returned five months later. According to their website, the returns policy for it is only for three days. So, so you some get point, your money back, right? You... Yeah. So if, if there's a supplier error, which is what British Cycling saying there was, there was an error, they, this wasn't meant to be for them, um, then they should have returned it within three working days. No, I will, I will, I will sort of like give a little bit of a, a leeway on this because uh, I know many times they say you have to pay for a return postage and so on and so forth. And I do know a lot of people who said like that, no, you come and collect it. So there might have been a debate over who is responsible for returning it and so on. So, I mean, there might have been that, maybe, maybe. Possibly, but five months when obviously there was a lot of issues about doping in cycling already at the time and specifically with Team Sky. I mean, if we go back um, October 2012, um, when they were founded, they, they really sort of trumped up this clean sport, clean cycling, changing things. They had, um, a, they had a journalist working inside them, as in David, and they found, David Walsh. Yeah. yeah, and they found a doctor who was obviously banned by every, every anti-doping agency uh, in the world, uh, working for Team Sky. Gert Linders. Yeah. yeah, and then you roll on a couple of years and you have the Chris Froome situation where he was found taking uh, the first instance, really, of public TUEs. Um, this, you know, a, a substance that's banned that's allowed for conditional use. Yeah. Um, and then you can roll it even further on. We have 2015, the Bradley Wiggins beginning of the Bradley Wiggins saga obviously there was the Jiffy Bag incident that we brought up oh, yeah. the other yeah. week <laughs> which is still unknown um, and this is the same man Dr Richard Freeman that was a part of that Jiffy Bag incident October 2016 um, was then a wider investigation into British Cycling and Team Sky um, involving their their chief I can't remember his name Dave Dave Brailsford yeah. and then Again, 2017, there were two incidents uh, where it even went to Parliament and Parliament found out and Parliament had said that British Cycling was crossing or Team Sky were crossing an ethical line because they hadn't documented what they were receiving, what they were taking. They couldn't explain all of these incidents. And yet they're also distancing, distancing themselves from this incident and trying to say that it was for you know, a, a non-athletic member, even though previously it seemed like it, it was going to be used on one specific individual so the, the the narrative is very strange um obviously dr richard freeman is facing a tribunal and th this has been uh, no, he's avoided that before because he said he was this sick. has been in the pipeline yeah. for about a year he already lost, he's lost his uh, his uh, laptop was stolen but there was no record of his laptop being stolen he said he was too ill to come in but then he released a book and then was like doing a number of interviews of course dan Rohn had him uh, on air as well so uh and, and then he quit um, in, in 2017, I think, shortly after that incident. Um, and this email now changes a lot of things because they can see that it, it took five months for, I think it was Fit for Sports, the company that was the supplier for Team Cycling, who delivered this to the Manchester Velodrome. Um, and, yeah, I mean, just showing that this email coming back that way when the head of British Cycling in 2017 said it was actually taken care of on the same day by Dr. Richard Freeman. So this email very much contradicts any of those claims that were made two years ago. 
Okay, so okay, so he, he's talked himself into a bit of a problem, uh, which is fair enough. Um, we do know that only Chris Room of all the cyclists, apart from Jonathan Turner Locke, uh, who's now gone from Team Sky, has had any kind of adverse finding. Um, so, and that was again explained away that it was, you know, um, you know, it was through sweat or dehydration that he like uh, uh, he took. 30, 40 puffs of an inhaler before he went to get a doping test. I mean, just stuff can happen that we still can't, you know, we can't explain, but like... But it keeps piling up and up and up. It piles up, so up, yeah. The company that controls Sky, um, Comcast, I think they're called, took over them, and then you see Sky pulling out of Team Sky Cycling. So they've obviously gone through all of the background, all of the past of what they're doing in terms of their business and whether they think that might be something that they want to continue or perhaps for ethical grounds not so that's another a spanner in the works really is, is Sky after so many years what 10, 10 years yeah. I mean, almost a 10 year anniversary of Sky Team setup, um, pulling out entirely along, well, a, along with an American firm as well now I mean this goes back again to British Cycling because British Cycling back in say the 80s they, they you know they, they wouldn't win a bike race if it was just two in a minute uh, they were not winning medals and then suddenly David Bailsford Brian Cookson who went up there who we very Exposed here, who has been, you know, consulting uh, with dirty doctors. I mean, it was he who brought in Gert Landers into into Team Sky. Oh, British Cycling Team Sky. So all these like, very dodgy people around. It wasn't it. made public either. No, was it wasn't it? made public. Yeah, but again, like Brian Cookson, then went up to head the to, to be Mister Clean in World Cycling. The and then there was uh, what, what was his name? Peter Verbecken, was it? That's the, right. the man that was involved with Lance Armstrong that then took over their Belgium head office for Team Sky. So, I mean, there's so many questions around it. And let's put it this way. There's no way, no way you can win the world, like, you know, to, to, be, to, to get to the very, very top of cycling without doping. But it, it, it has never been possible and it will never be possible so long as sponsors want the races going as hard and as fast as they do right now and as long as you so I mean so it's always been there always been there but there's a case of like this hypocrisy of saying we're completely clean correct that's what most people are annoyed over yeah I think it's, it's now got to a point um, with, with doping or anti-doping in sport that I think there's the sort of an atmosphere of the almost like they don't care anymore they, they, they appear to care on the surface and they're doing things but there's almost like an acceptance that it does happen, but if everyone's doing it, still it's going to be the best rider or the best team that come out on top. Whether natural that, whether, talent will get you there in the end. Whether that's yeah. natural talent or, yeah. It, it will, I mean, because what always surprised me is these cyclists, they used to be like, like the sprinters were like kind of like fat little fellas or like very, very muscular lads. Uh, climbers were usually small, stocky little fellas. And then you get fellas who were a bit long and lean, but they could, you know, they had good stamina and they could do a bit of everything really well, you know. Now, all these guys who are the best, the best, are absolute, just, they're skeletons. Absolute skeletons. And yet they're riding far faster and harder than ever before. Now, this goes back, there's a thing, L-carnitine, which most people have heard of as being a slimming drug. or a slimming, It's a, an, an amino acid, so it basically helps you your body burn uh, fat quicker. Now, of, of course, the General Medical Council in the UK, who are calling in uh, Dr. Freeman had already called into question Dr. Rob Chakravarti. Now, who was he? Well, I've written about him before and spoken about him before. He was the team doctor, the head of medical performance for the English football team. Of course, that English football team who were absolutely amazingly toned and fit and were able to run for a long, long time in the World Cup, uh, more than most, apart from Belgium, of course, with their own problems. But uh, he gave, okay, just ahead of his London Marathon debut in 2014, he gave Mo Farah an L-carnitine injection and then never 
put it on the records. And he gave him higher than the allowed dose, of course, um, you know, and, and no questions asked. Of course, when people started asking questions, they were like, well, no, you know, he's, he's okay. And when this question was asked to Gareth Southgate in a World Cup uh, press conference, do you feel uncomfortable with this man now, known that he has been involved in sort of like dodgy dealings in athletics? Um, the journalist was shut down, so he wasn't allowed to ask the question. So, I mean, this, it's very, very difficult. I mean, and as we said, like, you know, the UK athletics has stepped down pretty slightly. Linked, under, linked to the linked, London Marathon. Exactly, linked to football. We, we, know it, we know it here in Russia. We know what's been going on in Russia. It's been exposed, thankfully. Will this... You'll clean up British cycling, will it clean up British sport, or is it just going to set the same? I don't think so. I think um, even Wada's um, trip to Moscow to collect the data here from the from the laboratory, there's an essence almost that, uh, or, or, or this, as I said, this atmosphere of sort of almost like an acceptance. Um, it seems that Thomas Back, the, 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 the head of the uh, Athletics Commission, has said that he just wants to draw a line here. Um, I mean... As you mentioned before, this the, the results from the Moscow Laboratory could actually reveal more than just Russian athletes, and we could be looking at 600-plus people. So whether they want to draw a line here, make a fresh start, and really make an effort, I don't believe. Um, I think it, it is just an acceptance that the, the World Anti-Doping Agency is always going to be chasing at people's heels for term, in, in terms of how they look after their athletes, how they um, improve their athleticism. And I, I don't think it's ever really possible for them to catch up. I mean, we, we even we can go back as far as we mentioned earlier, 1988, the Olympics in Seoul, um, with the WADA president, Dick Pound, kind of just accepting that, all right, here's one athlete we're going to have to ban. But the others, yeah, they, they, they were kind of on the border. Yeah, Ben Johnson said he wasn't defended properly by Dick Pound, who, of yeah. course, was the head of the Canadian delegation at the time. Andrew, uh, before we, I just want to ask Peter just one question before we, we, we go out to break. Peter, you had you had the best and simplest solution for athletes. If 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 you're worried, if you've taken something, what to do when the test nah, is called? Don't make me. I, I do you want me to say? It? Yeah. I fine, but I I don't stand I don't stand behind this. Okay. Table, but <laughs> you you, just, you gotta just pull a Serena Williams and just stay in the home and don't come out when they when they ask you and just <laughs> lock just yourself don't, in yeah, the bathroom. Just, just just don't take <laughs> pull take, a Serena. Place. I think Rio Ferdinand tried that. Didn't he? he did. He went shopping. <laughs> okay, folks, we're going to head to the break. And just as we're laughing and with tears of laughter running down our faces from the shenanigans in the world of sports, we're going to go to the break with Train and Raindrops of Jupiter. We're back after the break. Capital Sports with Alan Moore. Now that she's back in the atmosphere with drops of Jupiter in her Like summer and walks like rain Reminds me that there's a time to change hey, hey, hey. Since the return of her stay on the moon She listens like spring and she talks like June hey, hey, hey. Hey, hey, hey. Tell me, did you sail across the sun? Did you make it to the Shooting star One without a permit 
for part three of Capital Sports and just before we come on Andrew said checkmate because we're talking about Peter Check, who is possibly moving back to Chelsea and speaking checkmate there is a big chess event coming up next week Peter am I yeah, right? Yeah on 25th uh, Moscow Open will begin it's I think I'm not sure but it's the biggest uh, chess event uh, of the world the biggest chess festival Festival, in the yeah, world festival. annual chess festival in the world yeah. so uh, I think it's about 3-4,000 chess players so I mean any bullies knocking around anyone who wants to like just like beat up some like like nerds I wow. mean <laughs> yes <laughs> alright I'll move back that's a joke no because some of those people are really really cool like you know last last year I interviewed uh, Karyakin the the well well he was at the time number two in the world and he was pretty cool like he's well he's a big Spartak fan you know big Russian fan and he said to me he said Russia will get to the quarterfinals and then lose out on penalties I was like seriously yeah <laughs> okay I'm thinking either he has a very English sense of humour or he thinking somebody <laughs> he moves ahead <laughs> he's brilliant and we get him in for some betting like you know <laughs> all right so that's on 25th and when it runs to the second or third isn't that right uh, I believe so yeah. Okay, so on orgsu.net, you can get information on that on the Moscow Opens there on the main page. Right, uh, Andy, we have fixtures coming up. We're going to go through them now in just a couple of minutes uh, from the English Premier League. However, first, first, it's getting to, well, it's getting to, well, I say the money round on Sunday. Okay, big, big game on Sunday, uh, 11 o'clock, 11.05, I should say, uh, Moscow time. And then on Monday morning, well, 2.40 Monday morning, very, very early, uh, another game in the NFL playoffs. Uh, Peter, what's going on? Who's playing on Sunday? Who's playing on Monday? And no, no patriotism. Aye, aye. Rams, <laughs> Saints, uh, and then Pats, Chiefs, okay. the GOATs of the... Of the goats. Yeah, they, they, no, I mean, no, no. There was only one goat. That's my bet. My bet. <laughs> the goats. But, but Rams, but Rams are doing good this season as well. So I'm kind of rooting for them too. Yeah, last weekend, I mean, it was. I, I watched some of the games on Sunday. It was just absolutely terrible. The 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 who did Pats beat last weekend? It was just uh, even so one sided. Uh, Pats. Colts. 
No, 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 no Rams. No, no. Rams beat the Colts. Yeah, Rams beat the Colts. Colts, I thought, would do well. But who did the pass beat? It was like it was thirty-five seven by half time. It was really bad. Uh, uh, it's one of the California teams as well, wasn't it? Yeah, was it Chargers? No, um, no, Chargers. Might be. Might it be. was terrible, terrible. Anyway, so New Orleans, they are at home against Los Angeles, so that's good. I mean, New Orleans are kind of favoured to, to, to win that one. Uh, being played in New Orleans, of course, great story there. What do you reckon? I mean, should it be a Saints win? So it could be a, a Saints-New uh, England matchup in the Super Bowl? Well, um, I don't know, because I, as I said previously, I'm kind of rooting for Rams, so I hope they do. But yeah, I've heard that, like, yes. I've heard people say that Saints are going to win this one but I'm, I'm hoping Rams take this one and we take on the Chiefs you're playing in Kansas City in uh, our head stadium of course so that's a big one there for, for for you guys because I mean you know Brady last week looked absolutely amazing and it is there are questions being asked of how he stays so young and vital with such lustrous uh, hair you know I mean uh, I, he might have got a, a few patches as well <laughs> sorry Andy's laughing there sorry well that is of course facelift. the facelift facelift exactly that is the semi-finals the semi-finals uh, basically, uh, the conference championship. So it's again 11 o'clock on Sunday night. It's New Orleans against Los Angeles, and at 2:40, if you if you stay awake after that one, you've got then the Kansas City Chiefs playing the New England Patriots. Okay, and there's still a lot of tickets going for that game for in Kansas City. So if you want to go over, if you've got 200 dollars to spare for a, a nice little ticket over there, head away. Okay. So uh, we're now going to have a talk about the English Premier League um, and also a little bit of interest on managerial front, but we'll, we'll, we'll come back to that in a moment. Okay, Peter, give us a rundown on who's playing who this weekend. Right. Andy, you pick up on what you reckon the value is, because of course it's a huge game. Uh, there's a London Derby this weekend, but we'll hear more about that in a moment. All right, uh, 3.30 we have Wolves, uh, Leicester, and then we have uh, five ga- no, six games at six. We have Bournemouth uh, versus West Ham. Then we got Liverpool uh, versus Crystal Palace. Then Man United is taking on Brighton. Newcastle going up against Cardiff. And Southampton uh, going up against Everton. Oh, wait. Watford. Watford. Not I got Waterford. W- yeah, Watford. <laughs> I don't know why I don't know why I kept saying Waterford. I don't know why. Uh, uh, versus Burnley, also at 6. And then at uh, 8.30, Arsenal-Chelsea, the big one. That's a big one. Okay, Andrew. What what should we look for there? Uh, Chelsea have quite a poor record away at Arsenal. Um, they have won one game in the last of, I think, seven fixtures, um, whether it be at the, the Emirates or the old version of Highbury. Um, they won 3-0 away in 2017, where um, Batman, as he's affectionately known, now long gone, uh, bats away, scored twice, along with William. Um Historically, they've been quite open fixtures. We're looking at over 2.5 goals per game, both teams to score. Um, Just looking across those fixtures this weekend, across, what, how many have we got? Eight games? Kind of fancy the home team in almost every every game there across the Saturday to maybe um, to sneak a win or at least a draw. Okay, so you, you basically, like for those eight home games, so the home teams, Wolves, Bournemouth, Liverpool, Manchester United, Newcastle United, Southampton, Watford, Arsenal, that none of them will lose. I think there'd be little value in Manchester United and Liverpool, but out of the others, I think where there is value, there'd probably be value with Watford at home. Um, Southampton would be the one that would maybe worry me a tiny bit, having with Everton having slightly recovered. Mm-hmm. Uh, but elsewhere, yeah, I, I, you quite fancy the home teams. Obviously, Leicester, 
under pressure. Claude Peel, I think, very harshly under pressure, considering Leicester are in eighth, I think. And I mean, um, and they're I working with a, quite a reasonable budget as well. I think their budget would be 13th or 14th in the Premier League. People so. with short memories as well. Yeah. I mean, obviously, the, the death of the, the owner um, not so long ago. I mean, he's, he's had his hands tied for a little while and been up against it. The players had to recover from it. Um, I think that he's done a fantastic job this season and is unfairly um, being linked with the sack. Okay. Okay, Peter, on Sunday we have two games. Yeah, we have Huddersfield Man City at 4.30 and at 7, Fulham Spurs. Okay, Fulham and Spurs, that's, that's another London derby. Uh, Huddersfield, Manchester. Huddersfield rock bottom just fired their coach, so they're going to go into that game with, with either nothing to lose or just they're going to lose. I, I think they have to go into it with nothing to lose. I, again, I think it was a very harsh sacking. I, don't, I really don't know what Huddersfield were expecting from this season. I think David Wagner did an incredible job keeping them up last year. Frankly, I don't think they should be in the Premier League. They're not a Premier League team. I think he did an incredible job. And it's, you know, it's, it's sad because he should and hopefully will be remembered as, as a legend if Huddersfield go down this season and don't return. Um, he'll be a, a Hall of Famer. Um, but yeah, they've got nothing to lose against a Man City team that seemed to be rocking again. Yeah. Okay. That Fulham team, of course, led by Mr. Ranieri and his uh, don't say it, don't his, say it, his, his medical assistants. <laughs> um, they're up against Spurs. So I mean, I mean, you have to fancy Spurs to give them a beating in that one, did you? You do. Um, but injuries starting to pile up. Harry Kane, obviously, Andrew Flint was mentioning earlier that perhaps the. Potocino has never really had confidence in Lorente because he's used him so sparingly. I think it's two appearances in the Premier League. Um, but he always does well in the Cup. Mm-hmm. So this could be his chance. Um, obviously, they're now missing Son, who's gone off to the Asian Championships. It's a tricky one for Spurs. Fulham has just started, yep, for whatever reason, ran- the Ranieri effect, yeah. t- starting to maybe look like they could pick up points again. Um, but I don't really see it this weekend. I think Spurs might just have the edge if if they turn up. Okay, so you reckon okay, Spurs are going to be at home, so you, they'll bring home three points. Okay, that's fair enough. So, okay, just run through again. So, what would you reckon uh, if people are going to have a little bit of a flutter this weekend? What what should they be putting money on? I'd be looking at um, certainly. Um, I'd maybe go with a both teams to score. Arsenal win. I think would have good value um, for the late game if you're looking for, for extra bit of watching after the those fixtures. Um, Watford just seem to keep churning out results this season and Burnley have struggled away from home they got a very important win last weekend uh, 2-1 against Fulham um, having not had a sh- they'd scored two goals I believe having Even, gone one down yeah. without having a shot on goal that's right um, which is quite astounding um, and I'd be looking at maybe Newcastle having had although it went to extra time against Blackburn last night maybe a little bit of confidence a few players scored four goals yeah they were terrible at the back but against Cardiff there could be a bit of value there as well okay so we could go something interesting okay uh, listen um, a former Irish international and who was wandering at the at one point was was kind of part of the um, Chelsea the Abramovich Russian revolution in Chelsea of course a good friend of uh, friend of our show Alexis Merton Damien Duff has left Shamrock Rovers and left well left the, the FAI the Football Association of Ireland to go up and head the reserve team up in Glasgow Celtic is that a good career move for him do you think? Um, yeah, I think it would be. Um, Shamrock Rovers, I think, have just struck up a sort of link um, through Dermot Desmond, who is the biggest shareholder of Celtic. Well, they're both, um, hoops. They're both hoops. Yes. You know, yeah, obviously, there is the Irish connection and yeah, um, and the Shamrock, etc. Um, in terms of a career move, Damien Duff, I, I think it's a good opportunity to head up the reserves to maybe look at the 
inner workings of Brendan Rodgers, who has done a formidable job at Celtic, really, um, on what you could class as a shoestring budget by English Premier League sort of constraints. Um, and there is always the opportunity where, if a manager does go, um, I'm certainly thinking of Neil Lennon here, mm. when a manager does leave, Celtic is the kind of club that might turn to one of their own and give them an opportunity, like Manchester United have done, but they didn't really have a choice with Solskjaer. No, I mean, I mean, they, they, well, they tried to do it before with uh, well, like gigs and with, yeah, but know, it, didn't it didn't really, really work pan out. out. Yeah. But they give uh, Celtic, I think, a more of a club that would be inclined to turn to one of their own to give them an opportunity, whether it be for three or six months. If it works out as it did in Neil Lennon's case when he took over, um, then all of a sudden your, your career can really kick on. So for Damien Duff, I think it, it's an interesting learning curve. Uh, there is a big reserve, unlike a lot of uh, leagues across Europe, there is a big reserve league and under-23s and some exciting players coming through in Scottish football within it at the moment as well. So yeah, it'd be a good challenge for him and obviously another former Celtic player has taken over the under-18s and Stephen McManus. Um, so Scottish international as well. Yeah, um, so a, a bit of change in, in the lower ranks, uh, sort of behind the scenes almost, if you want. Exactly. And another one, like, I mean, there's lots of, of course, lots of like transfers, moves, uh this is the time the transfer window was open however one of the, the remarkable ones is a managerial move and as the former let's okay we'll, we'll, we'll Shepshed Charterhouse former uh, Wickham Wanderers former Glasgow Celtic Leicester City uh, uh, Sunderland of course as well Aston Villa and Ireland boss Martin O'Neill has gone to Nottingham Forest where of course he kind of made his name and play, you know, played under one of the well for me still the greatest English coach of all time one of the best coaches of all time, uh, Brian Clough. He's gone back to North Forest. Is that a good move for him? Because he was mooted to go to Stoke. I think it is a good move. I, 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 Stoke, I mean, just last night they lost to Shrewsbury in the Cup. Stoke are going through a really weird, strange patch where they had all that stability under Tony Poulis and I think they've now lost that and I, I'm, I'm a, I'd be a little bit scared for them going forward over the next couple of seasons. Nottingham Forest have had big changes. I think they've kind of settled down again now. And I think this is a, you know, they're, they're a club building to make their way back up to the top. And I think Martin O'Neill is a, a perfect person to get people on board, people working hard again. And they've got the talent already there. Um, and they've now got a few people within the boardroom that um, are, are willing to put a bit of money towards it, um, which is a key factor in making sure that, you know, we saw Wolves and Brentford, etc. all try it. A few were only successful. But... It's a stepping stone and having a big face to attract players in as well. Um, Martin O'Neill certainly has a bit of pu pulling power in that sense. Like a lot of Irish journalists have been quite critical to saying, oh, like he was terrible at Ireland and so on. But it, it, I would always be willing to give the man the benefit of the doubt because, you know, he, he has always been very honourable, he's always very decent and educated as well. So he's, he's a clever person and, you know, I think Ireland was a poison chalice because the Irish media went all out, all out to get to, to, to nail him. And I, I think it was a, um, I don't, don't want to be offensive to the, the Irish players, but I think it certainly was a low point really in terms of the talent pool over the last two decades. They, there wasn't really a big name that you could call upon in those games. The likes of Damien Duff had gone, mm -hmm. uh, the Ray Houghtons, etc. Um, they didn't really have someone that you would call a, a top, top player. And even the ones that could be top, top players were doubting whether they actually wanted to play for Ireland or not. I mean, it, it, there again. Declan Rice, who was his birthday yesterday, I think it was two days ago, this like superstar, he turned 20, superstar for West Ham United. And, and then photoed in the pub afterwards. Yeah. Show, uh, showing his um, 
Yeah, yeah, and he, his youth. Yeah, he was. He was. Um, the, the, the Football Association of Ireland tweeted out a picture of him in the Irish jersey, going "Happy birthday to Irish international." Now he's played twice for Ireland. He has played twice for the senior team. Played all the way friendlies. up. Friendlies. Yeah, friendlies. Um, and of course, then he is questioned because he had a chat with Gareth Southgate. So maybe he prefers the English doctor service more than the Irish doctor service. <laughs> the Irish doctor service is kind of like, ah, sure, well, have, have the, a supper with There might not be anything left after Brexit. It'll be cruel <laughs> <him> back. <laughs> He'll come back with his in his life. Okay, very, very quickly, very, very quickly. Tomorrow evening here in Moscow, 7.30, Siska are playing Automobilist from Yekaterinburg. That is a big, big game. There are tickets still available. So if you have a chance to get down to that, that's in the CSK arena out on Atosovotskaya so get down to that we're going away now very very shortly but Peter I, I, I did promise you we'll speak a little bit about wrestling so what is your most memorable wrestling moment? Huh that's I think one of the most recent ones it was it was um, when John I think it was like John Cena and Rock they teamed up to beat somebody up I don't know and like it was like a big event. It was like a very big like Snoop Dogg was there. He was, like, he was uh, um, performing, and then afterwards, John Cena and, and The Rock. They, they were like uh, I don't know who they were up against. I don't remember. Am, am I, 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 nah, I don't know. I have no idea. But it was fun watching them. So with Snoop Dogg in attendance. Yeah, Snoop, Snoop Dogg was like rapping at the back, and then somebody in there just I don't know. Okay, Andrew. Um, my big wrestling event was probably the moment as a child when I realised it was all fake. <laughs> I, I always... <laughs> Whoa, really? <laughs> I, I think that was a... Um, in, in terms of the actual wrestling, I, I guess um, one of the, the periods that kind of got me really hooked on it was the Undertaker versus Mankind kind of series oh, that yeah. went on for about a year or so uh, with the casket matches and... Um, yeah. No, I just 